Welcome to Pleb Chain Radio, a live show brought to you by Plebs for Plebs, which focuses on the intersection of Nostra and Bitcoin protocols. Join QW and Avi as they run down the weekly news and developments, breaking down the current thing and the future frontier with the foundation of decentralization, the builders, thinkers, doers, and plebs. We are live. Welcome, gentle plebs, to episode number 16 of Blockchain Radio. Today is Friday, June 23rd, 2023. We have a slightly different show for you this week. QW is away. So I am joined on stage by our friends from the Nostra Report, Gondolorian, or Korn, and our friend Marseille, also from the Nostra Report. And Korn today has a little surprise for us. Uh, he has switched his um, voice modulator to a brand new human realistic AI voice modulator. So that should be fun. Do you want to say hello to everyone, Con? Uh, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's 2023. AI is all over the place. So trying out a new uh, new helmet voice here. Excellent. Oh, that's what we like here, Con. Keep Let's just keep people on their toes and changing things up. Folks, we have an exciting <laughs> show ahead for you. Uh, we have the lightning round, obviously, that Con uh, and Marseille are going to lead us through in a short while. Uh, but we, uh, our guests this week are the folks from the Harlem Bitcoin uh, group, uh, Daniel, Mr. G, Jesse, John, and Shakib. I hope all of them can join us. Um, and they're going to talk about their mission to Orange Pill, New York City. So... Stay tuned for that coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes. But maybe to kick things off, a little bit of news here. This week was ETF filings galore. ETFs are exchange-traded funds. These are financial instruments that, um, that give exposure to institutional or, in some cases, retail investors to some other underlying asset class. So it's not direct you're not directly buying that asset class, but the, there's an ETF that has some kind of trust uh, structure that buys units of that and repackages them and uh, sells them as shares within the ETF. Uh, and interestingly, with Bitcoin, there have been several attempts in the past, I think close to 100 attempts over the last 10 years at this point, starting with something the Winklevoss brothers uh, did in 2012 or 2013, all of which have been rejected for various reasons by the SEC. Uh, but today, BlackRock entered the fray. Uh, not today, this week, uh, a few days earlier, I should say, uh, with a blockbuster ETF filing, uh, which word on the street is, and I should stress this is just a rumor, has a very good chance of being approved. Now, on the face of it, this might seem like good news, right? More institutional buying pressure on Bitcoin, right? To fill up this fund and to tranche it and, and what have you. Uh, I am uh, somewhat dubious we, uh, well, because this is a large institution uh, that it certainly in the view of Bitcoiners doesn't necessarily have the best reputation um, of being a good steward of the world economy. So we'll wait and see. Um, but uh, it is interesting news. It's the most news we've had in a while. And then piling on to the BlackRock announcement, we heard Wisdom Tree, another large ETF player, 
stepping in uh, to file their uh, e ETF application as well. So we'll see what happens with that. And then just another rumor at this point, um, not fully validated, is that Fidelity, uh, the giant asset manager, is rumored to be taking over GBTC and converting it into either a, either a trust or a straight up ETF. So very interesting week that we've had from the institutional adoption side. Let's see how this plays out. Perhaps some of that added to the FOMO that's pushed the price when I last checked about an hour or so ago, the Bitcoin uh, Kakvak price to 31K. Um, so let's wait and see what happens. I guess one small point of clarification on BlackRock is there has been a bit of a semantic discussion on whether that it's actually a trust or an ETF. It maybe doesn't check every single box of the pedagogic definition of an ETF. Or maybe it's some sort of unit trust structure. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, it it resembles an ETF. So I'm going to pause there and, uh, and turn this to to start with Corn. What are your thoughts on uh, the ETF news? Yeah, well, you know, I... I, I don't come from a financial background. <clears throat> um, so I've, I've tried to learn a lot as I've gotten into Bitcoin. Um, and so my understanding of, you know, ETFs and markets is, is fairly limited compared to probably many people. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it's inevitable. I mean, if we expect Bitcoin to become the dominant um, asset class, the dominant currency, the the world reserve currency, you know, hyper Bitcoinization, um, as we like to talk about. I, I think it's inevitable, obviously, that institutions and governments and and everyone will eventually be incorporating um, Bitcoin into their mechanisms, into their um, their financial tools. So on that on that hand, I'm not you know not necessarily surprised. Um, as far as what the what the impact on Bitcoin will be, I mean, you know, we've the price has gone up, the exchange price, the exchange rate has gone up what twenty percent almost in the last week. So obviously, there's some excitement. There's um, maybe some uncertainty. Um, people trying to front run whatever might be coming um, for fiat gains, but in the long run. I mean, you know, Bitcoin doesn't care. <laughs> um, ultimately, this doesn't change the network. This doesn't change consensus rules. Um, this doesn't change Bitcoin's ability to be a tool for freedom. And I think for those of us who um, are interested in Bitcoin more for that reason, um, you know, we don't want to see a big institution coming in and and necessarily playing games and, and and opening those kind of doors. But at the same time, the network it either has to withstand it or it doesn't deserve to exist. So, you know, I, I think we just kind of see how the future plays out with that. Yeah. I have a feeling it's the former scenario con, which is first of all, as you said, to paraphrase what you said, TikTok next block. Uh, it is just interesting as a sideshow, right, to see this happening and the fiat price FOMO that's happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was looking through the list of 
of other institutions that have applied. So BlackRock applied on June 15. And then since then, um, Wisdom Tree, Invesco, and Bitwise, all three were previously rejected and have reapplied. Um, and then Valkyrie, I don't know if they had applied before. So that's at least four others. I don't know if there's more, but it, you know, it's kind of like this, this race to be first um, or to be early at least. And, and so, you know, they're wanting to get their share of the pie before, before others, obviously. Yeah. So sounds like it. Go ahead, Marche. I think like basically what Corn said at the beginning, like if we want adoption, these kind of things are going to happen. But also adding to that is that it's also necessary in a way because there will be people that need this kind of things in order to take it seriously and to try to understand it. But I do feel like even if it's necessary for some, for me, I just it just makes me want to know that I want to hold my Bitcoin and I don't want more people having it. Yes, definitely do not sell your Bitcoin to BlackRock. That is uh, in my, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm, this is going to sound like financial advice, but I'd say just hang on to it. Don't let BlackRock get it from you. Um, so Marseille, just ch uh, changing topics before we jump into the lightning round. You've concluded a whirlwind world tour where you've been to multiple countries, multiple cities, uh, shadowing Bitcoin events and work, you know, doing workshops of your own. Do you want to give us a quick recap um, of uh, your travels over the last couple of months? Well, I left Costa Rica, I think, um, April, was it? Yeah, April uh, 29th. And I just got back today. So I'm finally home. And I did a huge tour. I went to El Salvador. There I was... Um, actually working a lot with the team of Mi Primer Bitcoin. They are like a Bitcoin uh, educational initiative that works with children in El Salvador. So I was there working with them, not specifically NOSTA related, but impossible not to bring NOSTA into the equation when you're so in love with it. So I did that. And then I um, went to Miami. You guys got to see the Marce files in Miami, which were so much fun to do. I had no idea how to make that happen. And then it, like, it just, we just did it impromptu and it was so much fun. And then realized that there was like space, like this, this to me was amazing to see that there's like this, the Bitcoin conference, which is like the biggest Bitcoin conference in the world gave space to Noster. Like we had, I think it was two talks and there was a whole like the, the whole time it was packed it was packed by people wanting to learn more and talk about nostra i don't think any protocol uh, has ever had that and i'm so happy and proud to see it like grow and be a part of it and then all of you guys helped me get to prague and to me that has been the highlight on all the conferences and i want to thank everyone who helped uh in any way possible because it was great uh content is being released little by little, but you guys should know that there's tons of uh, interviews, a lot that Avi helped me get. There's an interview with Avi that was also pretty cool to do. So I'm looking forward to releasing that one as well. And it's just, it, it's to me, the most amazing part is to see that conferences are given, like Bitcoin conferences are given Noster a space. So that's how we start. We start with getting a space somewhere else so other people can hear us. 
And then we also have Nostrasia coming up. So that means that in a year, Nostra will have two conferences um, going on. And that's just like, it's so much growth. I don't think there's been any protocol that has ever been through that. And that's what we're getting to. So that was Prague. Then I went to Madrid uh, to a meetup. It was a Bitcoin meetup, but got to speak to a lot of uh, Bitcoiners who were actually interested in learning about Nostr, listening about it for the first time. Um, then I took a little break in New York, but that was just for fun. And went back to El Salvador and started working in, the, in all the interviews. And I've been just like uh, editing and working. And I'll be releasing a lot of content in the next few days because well, that's what I've been doing and, and that's what I'm going to dedicate myself for the next two months. And then I think September I'll start another world tour, but this one's a little bit different. So I'll keep you guys updated, but definitely making sure that there's Noster space in all the conferences that are popping, especially the big ones with a lot of noise. That is quite the tour, Marseille. And I'm certainly looking forward to the Marseille files, right? As the Nostra Report is calling them, the set of interviews that you did in Prague and in Miami, right? Hashtag Marseille files. Looking forward to those. I think there was a great one with Rockstar, um, another one with Matei from Plapstar. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to seeing the one that I'm in. Uh, that particular day when you did the interview, Marseille, I, I don't think I was entirely coherent. Uh, maybe I'll give a little uh, teaser here. I, I refer to my podcast as uh, the Plepchain Report instead of Plepchain Radio. So there is that to look forward to. A little better than Island, who's in the audience, uh, who called uh, who called the show Nostra Plebs Report or something like that when he was on Odell. Um, Odell's uh, Citadel Dispatch a few days ago. All right. That said, uh, Condalorian, do you want to take us through the lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. So I wanted to finish off uh, kind of what we were saying about the the Bitcoin ETFs. Um, a couple of days ago, our quote of the day, we actually took it from um, Harlem Bitcoin, uh, who will be on later. And they had a just a fantastic statement. It said, a Bitcoin UTXO will always be a better asset than a Bitcoin ETF. And I don't think you could sum it up any better than that. So... Um, in other news, last uh, this uh, past Sunday was Father's Day, so happy belated Father's Day to dads everywhere, um, myself included. Had a great day with the family and enjoyed seeing everyone's photos who shared them on on uh, on Noster. Um, so happy Father's Day! Hope it was great for everybody. Um, let's talk about Damas um, or Damas, as I like to say, but Damas. Um, yeah, I agree. I saw a thumbs down. <laughs> um, so last week, um, news broke of, um, Apple, uh, requiring, uh, Domus to make changes, uh, to the way zaps are done. Um, and just to recap that Apple, um, is saying that <clears throat> zaps on individual notes, um, they consider that to be purchasing digital content, even though the zaps are optional. Um, uh, but they apparently consider any sort of tip directly or that could be directly tied to um, digital content to be a purchase. And so if that's what it is, they require that to go through their in-app purchase system, which gives them 30% of the proceeds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so 
<clears throat> you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that. Um, the latest updates this week coming from Will, um, which if you missed last week's episode of Pleb Chain Radio, um, definitely go check it out. Will and Vanessa shared um, just a lot of their thoughts and and everything on on kind of what had happened up to that point. Um, but fantastic episode. But the updates this week. Um, so Will shared a preview, I believe it was yesterday or today, of what the new OneTap Zap feature will look like. And so right now, what it's looking like is when you tap on the the Zap button on a post or on a note, it will open up the custom Zap dialog um, where you can fill out the amount, add a note, and then the button makes it clear that you're zapping the user, not the note. And so I think he's hoping that will um, appease Apple's reviewers and and be within their policy. Um, he also shared quite a few thoughts about Apple's policies and just kind of what he thinks they could potentially do, you know, moving forward if they chose to really um, get more strict on them, not, not only for Nostra apps, but for, you know, Bitcoin apps in general. Um, but it's, I think one of his most recent notes from today and it's a, it's a lengthy note, so I won't read through it, but, you know, suggest reading through that just to kind of get um, a developer's thoughts on, you know, what Apple could potentially mean through their policies. Um, he also said that Dama's Freedom Edition will be released for Mac OS, and so it will be um, a desktop version. Uh, it'll support Intel and Apple Silicon, which I'm excited about. I had just purchased a nice computer right before they switched to Apple Silicon. Um, so I haven't been able to use any of the desktop apps. Um, but he said this one will support the Intel chips as well. And the Freedom Edition will have full support for all Zap features, Zap razors, um, anything you could think of that would have been in the in the the mobile app version. So excited for that. Um, you know, I think the nature of Noster and Lightning and Bitcoin, you know, these are open protocols and as big and influential as Apple is, and they are, um, they're still up against open protocols that they can't control. And I think ultimately the workarounds are going to be in our favor and not theirs. But I'm curious your your thoughts on the, the state of things with Damas. Well, I hope Will can pull this off, Con. Um, I and he actually uh, he posted something today uh, from the Apple uh, app developer terms and service, and it is incredibly stringent, right? The, uh, the things that you you can send monetary value for. So it is possible that Apple can shut this off for anyone um, that has anything resembling Zaps or micropayments enabled in their apps. So I hope Will can pull this off. Um, this is, I mean, this is sort of a uh, slate of hand in some sense, right? The zap button acts as a shortcut to your, to the profile zap. And you explicitly say that you are zapping the, that person's profile as opposed to the note itself. Um, so I'm hopeful yeah. you can get this by them. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, obviously we, we probably all are, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, prior to Noster or prior to the, the mass migration to Noster from Twitter, um, I had been using the tweet Toshi app. And so the tweet Toshi team, um, since Twitter made their API changes, 
they have gone um, full force into developing Plebster, um, Noster client Plebster, which is a fantastic um, app. And I had used TweetToshi quite a bit prior to that. And they had a very similar feature built in. So TweetToshi was a, a Twitter app that um, you signed in with your Twitter account. And they had you had a, a an in-app Lightning wallet. Um, you could, there was a button on every tweet. You could tip somebody. They would notify them that they had received a tweet from, or a, a tip from a TweetToshi user. And then they could log into TweetToshi and claim it. Um, or if they already had the app, it would be in their wallet. And, you know, so it's just interesting that this has existed, even, even utilizing Bitcoin prior to any of this with Noster. And so it's just, it's, it's interesting and curious as to why Apple has, you know, chosen now to, to take this stance. Yeah. So one of the things, yeah, go ahead, Marcel. Sorry. Yeah. I feel like the fact that they are paying attention to this says a lot about what the movement is doing and how we are impacting things. So when I see like big companies that profit so much on on people's data and on people's uh, content and creation like that, and just try to take a little piece for themselves, it means that it's, 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 it's bothering them and it's, it's creating and an itch and that's kind of, that's the kind of effect that we want to have though so like it's the negative thing because obviously we all love saps but it's also positive because it shows growth so i i i'm trying to see it from the bright side because i'm sure eventually uh, developers are brilliant everyone here is brilliant and will have an idea to make it work yeah well said marseille colin do you have anything else for us with the lightning round I've got plenty. Depends how long you want me to go. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we do uh, another couple of minutes and then we'll introduce the Harlem folks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let me just hit my other kind of biggest items then. Um, Prime Trust. uh, So that was kind of another big piece of news this week. Um, Prime Trust has been uh, used as a custodian by several um, Bitcoin companies. Um, Swan in the past. uh, Strike in the past. I believe Fold, and I know others as well. I'm sure um, Swan and Strike have, you know, since moved on to other. I think Swan is using a different custodian. Strike is all in-house now. I'm not sure the status on Fold. I haven't followed them as closely. Um, but Prime Trust was set to be uh, purchased by um, by BitGo, and they pulled out of that deal. And the big news this week was the uh, Nevada Department of Business and Industry um, issuing a report or an order um, ordering Prime Trust to cease all operations which violate Nevada regulations. And part of that order, um, they're claiming that Prime Trust is, quote, operating at a substantial deficit or may even be insolvent. And so um, that just kind of blew my mind. Uh, you know, I thought the whole point of um, a custodian like that was that the assets were were on hand. And so, um, you know, if they're not able to meet customer withdrawals, then, you know, what what have they been doing with those assets? Um, hopefully that will all come to light in time. Um, and then one more thing here I wanted to touch on. 
so Noster, you know, we continue to see the creativity uh, from Noster developers. Uh, this week we have um, two clients, uh, Snort and Amethyst, are both um, beginning to implement support for live streaming. Um, so that's going to be huge. Live streaming is obviously a big, um, a big way to deliver content. Um, and so bringing that into Noster where it can be done on, on Noster is going to be huge with the incorporation of zaps and, and everything. And then uh, we've got a couple of uh, clients rolling out support for uh, moderated communities, um, AKA subreddits. So Reddit has been clamping down on um, their users and, and their um, mods uh, with their API changes, third-party app, you know, being cut off. Um, and so we've got, you know, just incredibly brilliant developers um, finding ways to, to bring those communities um, or give them opportunities to come into Noster uh, where they'll have all the benefits that Noster brings. And so satellite.earth is one of those clients they just announced today. And then another user, Jingles. Um, I, don't, I didn't see a name for his app, but he said he's launching a new app next week. Um, that will have support for public and restricted communities. So excited to see all of these developments uh, coming into Noster. Exciting times indeed, Con. Um, thank you, Con and Marseille, for that lightning round. Uh, so now we move on to the guest section, and I want to introduce my friends from the Harlem Bitcoin meetup, a local meetup from New York City that was formed a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and they've been doing some remarkable work since then in orange-filling the city. Uh, so maybe we'll, there's four of them uh, on stage. It's uh, Daniel, Mr. G, Dr. Orangeville, a.k.a. Jesse, and John Logan. So I'm going to uh, toss it to them one by one. Uh, and folks, if you don't mind doing a quick intro, talk, talk a little bit about yourself, and then maybe talk uh, a little bit about how you got into Bitcoin. And then we'll get into Harlem Bitcoin after that. So Daniel. Hello. Nice to talk to you all. Good to see some friendly faces, familiar people in the audience. And uh, good to have us all together again. It's, it's hard sometimes because even though we all live not that far from each other, everybody is busy all the time um and we don't really meet up that often except during the meetups uh occasionally you know i happen to live fairly close to uh jesse and shakib who i hope can join us this evening uh so we sometimes get together at a local coffee shop and just kind of uh strategize and and uh, everything but i'll tell a little bit of the story of how we came to be so we were and you were almost right it was 15 months ago when we first had our our uh, inaugural meetup that was in March of 2022. And I was one night walking my dog uh, in the park, and I happened to run into another guy who had his dog with him. And the dogs met first, and as they always do. And uh, I guess they got along. And then I noticed that uh, the, the guy I was, I was uh, standing in front of was wearing a really interesting t-shirt. And it was not a Bitcoin t-shirt. Uh, it was actually a if I recall correctly, it was a t-shirt of the Garbage Pail Kids, which was something I'm going to date myself because I'm a Gen Xer, uh, remembered very well from my childhood. Um, and I said, hey, that's an awesome shirt. And he and he said to me, well, it's cool because my neighbor uh, gave it to me. And I said, who's your neighbor? And he goes, oh, he's the artist who draws for the Garbage Pail Kids. So um, we just got to talking uh, first about what we did 
you know, for a living. I work in uh, the creative industry and he, he did as well. And then he kind of stopped for a minute and he said, yeah, well, I'm not doing anything that much right now because I'm kind of just living off my Bitcoin. And alarm bells went off in my head because it's not that often that you just randomly walk into a Bitcoiner in, on the street somewhere. And so that sparked probably an hour's worth of conversation, just standing out there walking in the park, uh, got to meet Jesse, uh, got to, to hear a little bit of his story. And uh, after a little while, he said, you know, if you're interested in Bitcoin, you have to meet my friend Shaquib, who runs Safari Restaurant uh, a couple blocks away. And I, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I've been there before. I knew that place, but I didn't know anything about the owner. And uh, a couple days later, we all got together um, in the restaurant. And that was really the first Harlem Bitcoin meetup, just the three of us. And we didn't have a name for it at the time. Uh, we didn't really know what it was going to be, but we kind of knew instinctively that the three of us had found each other for a reason. And that reason was to begin uh, a, you know, kind of the, the first real, I want to say real Bitcoin meetup in New York City, right? And, and so I'll tell a little bit of, of the, the background. I started, my, my Bitcoin journey began in kind of early 2013 when I first heard about it. Um, it was during the, the time of the Cyprus bank bail-ins and uh, the WikiLeaks drama when the, the payment networks began blocking them because they were publishing content that was not something that the payment companies and the, the governments wanted to see. And uh, that just kind of piqued my interest at the time. And I started kind of following it just, you know, in the peripheral, I would, I would hear about it a little bit here and there and, and uh, didn't really know like what it was, what, you know, the price meant. I had no idea what a $200 Bitcoin meant, <laughs> what a, you know, a $50 Bitcoin meant. It, none of it made any real sense to me at the time because I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't a trader. Uh, like I'm an artist, like I, I work in, in the creative industry and, you know, I never really had uh, an opportunity to, to understand investing. I don't come from that world. Um, but later in the year, I think it was around like the end of November, I just kind of checked in to see what was happening with Bitcoin. And I could not believe it when I saw what was the most interesting and almost frightening chart I had ever seen in my life, which was this complete hockey stick where Bitcoin had gone in, in what, less than a month and a half from 150 bucks to about a thousand. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Because, you know, if you've been in Bitcoin for a while, like those those spikes, they sort of smooth out. Like you could look back now at like the the bull run of, of like what, 20, 20, <laughs> 2010 or, or 2013. And it like it's a blip on the radar compared to, to the things that have come in the last, uh, you know, almost decade. But um, for me, like that was just like, OK, I need to learn what this is. I need to understand it. I probably need to get some. And fortunately, I found my way to a video by Andreas Antonopoulos. It was the Disrupt 2013 conference that he, uh, where he spoke at in uh, Greece, in Athens, Greece. And he talked about Bitcoin in a way that finally made it make sense to me. And uh, from that moment on, I was a Bitcoiner. Um, and I just happened to luck into a, a crash <laughs> where my first, you know, $100 of Bitcoin went to like, you know, 20 bucks. And, 
you know, I could have taken that opportunity and, and said, you know what, this is too, this is too risky for me. This is too crazy. But I, I went the other way and I said, you know what, I have to learn this. I have to understand what this technology is because if it could do what it did in 2013 and it could do what it did a few years earlier, it, it came out of nowhere and it suddenly, it has its own culture. It has its own um, unique properties that this group of people that, that truly believe in it. And I have to find out what it is. So. I spent like the next couple of years just trying to immerse myself in, in the Bitcoin world, um, met a lot of really fascinating, interesting people. I went down to the Bitcoin Center, which is a, uh, at the time, was this uh, meetup group that um, took over a, a, an event space down near Wall Street. And I would, I would just show up there. Like, you know, after work, I would, I would go down, you know, whenever they had, had a, a gathering, they did these um, kind of fairly large meetups um they had presentations they had like fairly, fairly famous speakers for the time uh showing up there in fact one time vitalik showed up there and, and gave a talk about ethereum and uh you know so just like anybody would show in there charlie shrem used to work the door like he would just sit there he had his ankle bracelet on he'd already been you know through the system he'd been arrested and he'd been in in uh you know home confinement but they they let him out to go to the bitcoin meetups i guess so um I, you know, and just kind of got to know a bunch of people in the space. And, and one of the things I really wanted to, to understand was like, if Bitcoin is going to become a transactional medium that the whole world can use, then um, the whole world has to understand it and has to learn how it works and why it's different. And, you know, this is not related to the political aspects of Bitcoin, the, you know, necessarily the, the economic properties, but really just the functional aspects. Like, how do you use it? How do you protect it? How do you make sure that it doesn't get stolen? How do you, um, uh, you know, how could it have a place in fundraising and uh, be a, a, a medium for good in the world when it had so many, you know, things kind of that had been said about it, all this, you know, FUD and, um, uh, you know, actions taken against people in the Bitcoin world, um, looking back at Ross Ulbrich and again, like Charlie and, and, you know, the people who kind of stumbled into this thing on their own, um, maybe got a little carried away and suddenly find themselves facing, you know, a, a pretty hefty prison sentence or, or uh, you know, sometimes even worse. So, you know, how do you do this safely? How do you how do you get involved in something like this, but also show that it has has good aspects that the world can can benefit from? And so, um, you guys, I don't know if any of you remember this, but there was a, a little company that started in I think it was kind of mid twenty fourteen called Change Tip, and uh, they were kind of before the Lightning Network existed, before you know. If you were talking about Tweetoshi a few minutes ago, if you if you can imagine a bot that lived on Twitter, and they also had one for Reddit that you could tip small amounts in Bitcoin to other users. Uh, it worked through a centralized uh, wallet. You deposit Bitcoin into it. You could um, even buy Bitcoin using PayPal through it, um, and then you could use it to spread small amounts of, of Bitcoin. We didn't have, you know, no one really talked about Satoshi's at the time. It was kind of called, you know bits, which was like, a, you know, what's that, a 100 uh, Satoshis. So you could um, send someone, you know, 10 bits, 50 bits. Uh, and what the way it would work is you would send them a message. Um, they would have to log in and claim it. And then, of course, you know, if they didn't, it would expire and go back to, to the person who sent it. 
but it was a ton of fun and it was an interesting way to meet people um, and find out who in this in this this uh, Twitter world and, and you know who on the in the Reddit space are interested in 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 Bitcoin, interested in in value for value. Uh, I, I tried tipping journalists. I tried tipping sort of random people. But in that, in the course of that, I met other people who were using it. And so some of the, the users included uh, Jack Mahler's mom, the Bitcoin mom, back before anyone knew who Jack was. Um, it, it included Nick Sullivan, who, of course, was the founder of Change Tip, and uh, included some, some people from Africa. Uh, and I met a, a really bright young man who was a he was an aspiring computer science student who was really trying to build something using bitcoin in sierra leone uh, where he lived and it was it happened to be during the time of the ebola crisis and i met him through an organization called bitcoin against ebola that was raising funds to try to distribute ppe medical supplies uh, other types of aid to people directly on the ground in uh sierra leone and I just sort of fell in love with this idea that we could connect the world. We could use Bitcoin as a medium to do good, to uh, provide real, real-time benefits to people without having to go through a central party, without having to go through the Red Cross that you know takes how much of your donations actually ever get to the people who need it. Uh, I don't even know if anyone knows. Like, even, and when when there's an emergency, the Red Cross is always there raising funds, but. The funds that they raise during that emergency never go to the people who, who are suffering at that moment. It's going into their fund that they use uh, you know, later on down the road. So the idea of being able to directly support people uh, and do good with Bitcoin was, was just such a, a kind of a novel concept. So I started using it to uh, raise money for the homeless uh, here in New York. There was you know, a homeless problem then and there's a homeless problem now. Uh, it's actually worse in many ways now, but I was using it to help buy coffee for people. I would actually, um, back when Fold was just a, a web app where you could buy a Starbucks gift cards, I would uh, raise money on ChangeTip, take the Bitcoin from ChangeTip, put it on Fold, buy Starbucks uh, cards with it, and buy coffee and donuts and, and bagels for people on the street. Um, and one day I decided, let's see if we can do something a little bigger. And I raised um, an entire Bitcoin worth of uh, pizza, which at the time was $237 in the middle of uh, 2015 on Bitcoin Pizza Day. And um, there's a picture of me I posted on, on Oscar a few weeks ago, uh, delivering a stack of 10 pizzas to the Bowery Mission. Um, and so when, when we started Harlem Bitcoin, I wanted to do something like that. I wanted to use it, uh, use Bitcoin as a way to educate people, to help them understand that Bitcoin's not necessarily a scary concept, that it's something that's really powerful, that uh, can liberate people, that can help them find some new meaning in their lives in a, in a world where um, we're all drowning in, in, in misinformation, in debt, in uh, you know, just struggling every day to maintain an existence and to be able to use uh, this technology in a way that connects people, that broadens their minds, that helps, helps them uh, improve their lives is something that I wanted to see happen. And so that's kind of what we, we started doing. And we, we had our first Bitcoin Pizza Day uh, back in 2022. And, um, you know, you all know the story. We raised uh, $600 worth of Bitcoin um, to deliver pizzas to the food bank right across the street from Safari Restaurant on 116th Street here in uh, Harlem. And uh, we actually doubled the, the donation because it went to, um, we went to the pizza shop that we all uh, kind of visit every, uh, you know, every time we, we want to slice. And the guy who ran the shop was, you know, 
he was into crypto, but he liked Bitcoin. He supported what we were doing. And he said, you know what? I want to double that order for you. So, so we did that. Mm -hmm. And then this year, um, just a few weeks ago, we, we did it again. And uh, using Nostra this time, using uh, the, the generosity of the plebs to bring education and pizza and uh, create dialogue here in Harlem in a place where mm -hmm. people really are hungry for this information. So I'll kind of pause there because I know I've been going yeah. a bit, but I wanted to, um, uh, yeah, turn it back to you, Avi, and anyone else from the Harlem yeah. community. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll hear from everyone else, uh, Daniel. But I mean, so that's quite the story, right? Quite the remarkable Bitcoin story, and it's amazing how so many Bitcoin learning journeys either involve one, if not both, of Andreas Antonopoulos and Jameson Lop, especially in understanding the technical side. Uh, so yeah, quite the story, Daniel. I, I I do have one question on Pizza Day. You're talking you're talking about distributing pizza on 116th Street. Please tell me it was Patsy's on 117th and First. That was your pizza. Well, day. It, it, it could not have possibly been uh, for a few reasons, and I love that shop by the way. But Patsy's Pizza um, East Harlem is actually very far from where we are in West Harlem, and as much as I love their coal fired brick oven slices they get cold really fast because they're so mm -hmm. thin so pizza yeah. stop is the the shop that's uh, right around the corner from where we all live and that's where we we uh we buy our pizza on pizza day gotcha all right mr g why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with harlem bitcoin hello everybody how you doing it's good to hear from you guys good to see you guys again dan john Dr. Orange Pill, Corn, uh, the radio in the corner in Marseille. Nice to meet you guys uh, again. So I'm um, just keeping it short. Uh, my name is Mr. G. Some of you guys may know me personally. Some of you guys may not. Um, um, my introduction to Bitcoin came <laughs> in my 20s when I was a young, uh, rambunctious young man. And, um, you know, Ended up in a little bit of trouble and found myself in front of a book. The book was called Bitcoin and the Future of Money. And it was written in 2014 by Jose Paglieri. So I could say this book changed my life. Best book I've ever read. It had the white paper, had full technical uh, explanation, good enough for me to understand what uh, Bitcoin was at the time. So, I mean, since day one, I've always understood what bitcoin was uh i never was bought into any of the altcoins any of that stuff dogecoin or any of that any of these new coins even though they're proof of work any of that stuff so um upon me coming home i basically started focusing on bitcoin and started talking to people about it friends family uh, a lot of people seem to know about bitcoin but they don't seem to really understand the technology and uh, eventually it just led me to become more and more isolated. I'm thinking like, what is wrong with everyone? And this is around like, what, 2018, 2019. So then I didn't really use Twitter, even though my, my Twitter account predates Bitcoin by a few months, or I think by a few days of like the, um, the, the first transaction or something like that. And um, yeah, so if I had I been on Twitter and had I been in the financial space, I would have discovered Bitcoin a little earlier. And it just wasn't my time to discover Bitcoin up until the time that I read that book. And uh, since then, I've made a 
a lot of good friends in the space. And how I originally came across Harlem Bitcoin was uh, Twitter. Twitter. I got recommended to Harlem Bitcoin from a friend and uh, an online friend. And they said, hey, aren't you in New York? This looks like a very good uh, community. It looks like they're bubbling. So I checked out the profile. It was these gentlemen sitting down discussing what it looked like to be in a picture. And I was like, oh, what, this Bitcoin? You guys are... So I'm really digging around looking for where the altcoins are. Like, come on, where's the Dogecoin? Where's the, uh, you know, where's the gimmick here? And there was no gimmick. So I felt uh, the urge to connect with these gentlemen. And these gentlemen are some of the most upstanding gentlemen that I've had the pleasure of being around. And, you know, so learning with uh, people like Dan, John, Dr. Orange Pill, um, I learned a lot about community. I learned about a lot about the uh, the inside of the space because necessarily, if you don't converse with people from different walks of life, you'll never understand uh, people's points of view and their perspectives and everything. You can tend to become insular, especially as a Bitcoiner. You know, you've you've gotten to this level of knowledge. You don't want to. You don't. You don't want to. You really don't want to hear it from anyone else, especially with. Well, pulling back a little bit, I've just. I'm very happy to be with an organization and associating with an organization and I think we're losing Mr. G. Yeah, I can't hear him anymore. Yeah, same here. Hey, Mr. G, I think you're cutting out. Hey, Mr. G. He's in the, ma he's in the matrix. <laughs> Mr. G, uh, I think there's uh, some folks, I was able to hear you, but some folks are having issues hearing your audio. So what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pause this for now and we'll move to Jesse, or Dr. Orangeville, who is if I understand correctly, Jesse, a stand-up comedian as well. So I'd love to hear your backstory and uh, talk about how you're weaving in uh, Bitcoin into your stand-up comedy to Orange Bill, New York City. Well, that's really funny. Uh, well, I, I don't actually do stand-up comedy now. I was mostly uh, doing comedy videos, and I worked in comedy uh, for a bit of my career, uh, doing uh, graphics for comedy shows, late-night comedy shows and that kind of stuff. My wife had a lot and it's a big part of my life as far as like uh the bitcoin journey for me i'll just say okay so like i'm a gen xer sort of uh, as dan intimated earlier and uh i just turned 50 and i will say up into my early 40s i knew nothing i mean nothing about anything finance or money at all and so bitcoin hit me like a like a like a mac truck i mean it, it was like uh it was like, uh, you know, a bolt of lightning in the top of my head, and it just blew my mind open. And so uh, the, the journey, the story for me is probably about seven years ago. I, ran, I was hanging out with one of my old roommates. Uh, we weren't roommates anymore, but I went to his house, and we were, he used to day trade, and he was talking. He would always say Tesla and Apple, get Tesla and Apple. But this one day he says, and Bitcoin. And I said, well, uh, Bitcoin, what's, what's that? And he goes, oh, magic internet money. I said, 
well, <laughs> what do you do with it? He goes, well, um, you know, people use it to, uh, to, to, you know, nerds use it to buy video games and drugs on, on the internet. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, you know, oh, well, how much is it? He's like, you know, 200 bucks for one. I said, oh, okay. And I just kind of, so like a year later, I went over there again and he says, you know, Apple, Tesla, and Bitcoin. I was like, Bitcoin, what's that? And he goes, oh, magic internet money. I said, oh, yeah, that thing that the nerds buy buy drugs and, and video games with. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, how much is it? He goes, 500 bucks. And I was like, ugh. So then like a year later after that, I was working uh, and MSNBC was on or CNBC was on. And the, then I started hearing, you know, that was when it started coming in the news, $1,000. Then like a couple of days later, it was 2000. Then it was 5,000. Then it was 10,000. I was like, hold on a second. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, so I did the fateful uh, Google search, you know, what is Bitcoin? I, I said, you know, what is this thing really? And, uh, and that was it. I mean, that really was it. I think the, uh, the, the, the thing that hit me the most was it, it's weird as it sounds when I was a little kid, I remember this vividly when I was a, in kindergarten, the teacher says, said, uh, you know, put a draw a picture on the on the left side of your paper but don't look at the person across from you because their left is on the other side of their body and uh i kind of like in my head turned myself around and realized that the left was on the other side and as a five-year-old that was the most mind-blowing experience and it was just like that when when i read about bitcoin and they said uh basically all all money is just a, a a trust system a belief system i mean dollars are just they're not backed by anything and they're only worth something because we all believe it and as simple as that sounds to anybody who's in a bitcoin now at, at that moment it was just like that was that was everything for me and so i i more or less went all in <laughs> you know right that was probably like early 2019 and uh and so then i it went down to like you know from 17 or 20 to all the way down 3500 and it was a big emotional thing for me but i at that point that was when i really buckled down and i was like is this thing real you know is this thing real or am i just chasing a, a some kind of fantasy about uh just wanting to get rich i mean what am i doing this for what's it all about and that's when the real the real real learning uh, you know all all sort of began and i would say it's about a year after that that i ran into shakib uh just hanging out at the restaurant he i was probably checking price and he looked over my shoulder and we started talking about Bitcoin a little bit. And uh, and then it was probably it was about a year after that when I ran into Dan and uh, he told the story. We were walking our dogs and uh, Shakib had already mentioned the very first time I met Shakib, he, he said something about doing a community. First time, one of our first conversations, he wanted to do something community based with Bitcoin. But uh, I, I didn't know what it would be. And he didn't, I don't think he knew what it would be. We were just kind of like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. I mean, there's nothing like that. And I think running into Dan, what Dan was so hardcore as a Bitcoiner, like so, uh, you know, into it and, uh, and, and just, you know, well-versed, he, you know, he knew everything about everything as far as I was concerned. So I was like, you got to meet my buddy Shakib. And uh, the one thing I'll correct about Dan's story, John was at that first meeting too. It was, it was the four of us and John was there. Uh, Dan brought John in because he had, they, I think they had met some Twitter spaces. And uh, the only sort of small thing I'll give myself credit for, when I, I remember when I left the house that day, I said to my wife, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not, I'm not letting us walk out of there without a date. You know? And so we set the date. That was, we set the date for our first meeting. And I, I remember us all saying to ourselves, if like two people show up, you know, we'll be happy. I mean, that, what else could we ask for? A couple of 
noobs that don't know anything. The idea was, so the idea of Bitcoin, uh, Harlem Bitcoin community is just, uh, our, our main precepts are, are um, circular Bitcoin economy, uh, you know, education about Bitcoin to the, to the community. And, uh, you know, we say we want to turn uh, 116th Street in the Bitcoin Boulevard and mostly just, you know, getting it out there to people who could most use it, really, frankly, the, the knowledge. And me being such a guy that was so kind of like middle aged when I with learning all this stuff for the first time, it, it really changes your life. And having an, I used to be a school teacher, too. I used to teach in the South Bronx and I taught in Brooklyn for a while. And so I sort of have an education background. I over time I had moved into I was mentioned before I was doing uh, graphics for late night comedy shows and stuff like that. And uh, when I met Dan, he was also a graphic designer. So we had that sort of artistic thing. And, and so we just started putting together posters. And uh, Mr. G came in on the second meeting, uh, and he's been very helpful in a lot of ways. He he uh, he runs a truck, you know. He goes out. Actually, if you if you go to on uh, the YouTube page for uh, Doctor Orange Pill, there's a really cool video uh, uh, where I followed him around for a day, and he talks about Bitcoin and his journey. And and we also he so he runs a recycling truck, and it's really it was a really great experience going. But he goes around and he'll put up posters and stuff, you know, around the town while he's you know, and and that helps get people in and. You know, and that's basically it. We just we want to do something that was Bitcoin related, something that could help people locally um, and, and mostly find noobs and plebs, people that don't really aren't already into it, you know, and 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 get them into it, you know, help them get started, educate them on what it's all about and how it can help them and help their lives. And, th and that's what we're doing, you know. As far as like oh, the the comedy stuff, yeah, I mean you could on my uh, Noster page. If there's some like I did do some goofy stand up uh, as other comedians, so you know there's that too. But um, mostly I wanted to make comedy. I wanted to make videos and, and make them interesting about Bitcoin. But you know I I've only done a few of those, and uh, the main thing right now is sort of just helping build Harlem Bitcoin community, all of us together. You know. That's uh, that's great, Jesse. Uh, appreciate that background. And last but not, not least, John Logan, who I believe is the first person I spoke to from Harlem Bitcoin about a year or so ago. John, tell us a little bit about your background uh, and how you got started with this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Avi. So, yeah, we hear a lot of great stories. I'm, I'm, uh, mine is just kind of similar, but a little bit different. I'm the only member of Harlem Bitcoin that uh, uh, that is really not from Harlem. So I'm from a native Southeast Queens guy, born and raised. And um, I kind of, um, back in 2016, I, I got involved and co-founded a different organization um, called uh, Bank Black USA. And I, I, I just got tired of um, kind of seeing uh, money um, kind of um, the, like the, basic legacy financial system used in a way where it just wasn't equ equitable to people access to money. Um, and so I started doing a lot of research on banks and uh, founded uh, an organization, like I said, uh, and that, that was my real kind of um, start to really start to understand money um, a lot. And then with that, I started uh, really trying to understand economics a little bit better in that. And it kind of led me into speaking with different people 
And all these people, of course, meeting through Twitter. And, uh, you know, I, I finally got to really understand what Bitcoin is and it really jived. Um, but before understanding Bitcoin, I, I, I understood real estate and I understood uh, land and property. So I knew and had owned some land and some property and what made sense and, tr and, and really resonated with me with with Bitcoin was that it was digital property that I could own. I didn't have to maintain in any way and that no one could take from me no matter what. And so historically understanding a lot of uh, how the legacy banking system worked for, for so many and how it didn't work for some other people, <laughs> um, it, it really made sense to me. And so, um, you know, I met some really great guys via Twitter and I was like, guys, let's let's meet. I, I was just so convinced at a certain point that I really got to start learning more about this 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 technology. And uh, I think uh, Dan invited me over to Shakib's restaurant. We went there and, and the rest is really kind of history. We just kind of um, really just jived. I mean, it's just one thing that I, I could that, that sticks out in my mind about first meeting these other guys is that the level of peace that we all kind of had. I'm, I don't want to sound cliche or, or, or blow smoke here, but it, it's like no one was out to get anybody. And everyone was just on this journey to try to, who's excited about um, this new innovation, this new technology, and just wanting to share it with other people. And and that really was, it, and it's that's been the driving thing since day one. Um, people coming together, uh, for no incentive or gain uh, uh, personally, but just to share what we have with other people. And that to me was just so genuine. It was just so real and so worthwhile that um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, it's like from the first day we kind of met up and started really um, kind of jiving together and, and, and kind of working together. Um, it, it's been the, the driving force. So, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of other little uh, nuance to how I got to this point, but, you know, I, you know for the sake of um, not being too long-winded, um, I'll just kind of pause there. But, yeah, it's just great to be here, great to be with other plebs who are all about the same thing, just trying to share this great technology with other people and, and really yeah. get other people to kind of get outside of their box and start talking about something that could give them an alternative. And, and that's where I started my journey with alternative banking, something that uh, where people could get outside of um, what may not work for them as far as traditional lending, traditional lending products, and could try something new, something that where they could uh, focus on something that could work for them better. And then Bitcoin just really built upon that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's me. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Avi, for having me. And uh, yeah, I, lo I love what you're doing here, brother. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing with Holland Bitcoin. Um, Mr. G, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say that uh, on similar to John, I'm also not from Harlem. I don't know if <laughs> I wanted to just make that a point also. But I wanted to say just uh, being in um, my position, I have I, I have opportunity to speak to a whole bunch of people from different walks of life, business owners, um, regular people, you know, working class people. 
and uh, I get to pick people's brains on uh, about Bitcoin. Some people understand it better than others, but there's a really large education gap, <clears throat> excuse me, that needs to be crossed. A lot of people don't uh, understand it as well. Even a lot of people in the space, they still conflate uh, Bitcoin with cryptos. And it's better that we all come together of like-minded, um, of like minds and uh, look to uh, change minds one mind at a time. So we've come up with different strategies. Like I wanted to just share something what John was doing yesterday. I don't know if you were going to say something about it, but John, uh, you led um, a really good speech that a friend of mine caught yesterday. And um, I think you may have gotten a few people's uh, gears turning when it came to uh, financial literacy, freedom, and Bitcoin. You know what I mean? So that's a good strategy necessary to just get people's uh, minds going. And uh, another strategy that I've opted to is work with uh, my local YMCA. So um, I started at a kind of late in the year, but um, hopefully anticipating working with my local uh, YMCA and in tandem with Harlem Bitcoin to, you know, get some awareness going. And um, <clears throat> just as whatever opportunities that we can use to um, spread the awareness of Bitcoin, whatever mediums we can use, platforms we can use. We have a noble message. We don't want anyone's money. We're just here to just get people to look at things the right way and not uh, in a marketing, gambling uh, kind of um, enter Bitcoin that way via the marketing and gambling aspect because it's really not what it's here for. Yeah. Thank you. No, that's great, uh, Mr. G. And I think that that type of mission, right, where it's it's you're telling people you're not telling people to buy Bitcoin, you're telling people to study Bitcoin, right? I was in uh, in BTC Prague uh, a couple of weeks back, and they had this incredible projection on the uh, National Bank building at midnight, and then later on on one of the bridges. And the projection had the, had the Bitcoin logo, and then below it, it said "Study Bitcoin," which I thought was incredible. Right? It's uh, I think that's what we should be striving for. This is not about uh, asking people yeah. to invest. Yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, no, I was just I was just agreeing, and um, yeah, I'll just kind of continue on some stuff that kind of Mr. G was kind of alluding to. I had the great honor to be a panelist um, on a panel that was. Uh, um, it was a conference by the New York City Black Women's Political Club. And that was, uh, yes, that was June 21st. And that was awesome. It was powered by Microsoft down in the Microsoft garage down on um, uh, downtown on, on Lafayette. And that was, that was amazing because um, the, the panel was uh, the future in finance. And so I got a, a really good opportunity to, to speak to these folks and speak to these women. And it was all basically plebs and the woman who led the panel was a, um, a hard, uh, this woman she worked for the, a municipal credit union and um, she was an excellent moderator but one of the things that we talked about when we first met initially at, at Shakib's restaurant was we kind of nailed down or, or, or kind of tried to identify some of the things that we wanted to do and, and, and one of the things that I put down on paper that day when we met I don't know if you guys remember was that you know I, I kind of want to speak to you know, activists, policymakers, um, candidates running for office, incumbent legislators, uh, and the like, to really get them educated on Bitcoin, not to sell them on anything. I don't want to sell anyone on anything, but give people to empower them 
uh, so they can make good decisions. And that's kind of like where um, I was coming from with the the other organizations that I had uh, co-founded, was that we're looking to give people an alternative by educating them. Hey, there's something else out there that may better work for you. It may be a better fit. And so this was like kind of doing this conference with the New York City Black Women's Political Club. Uh, it was an Inspire Her conference. It was just amazing uh, because it really put me in a position that I really wanted to be in uh, consistently, which is around uh, very uh, dialed in and focused, uh, civically engaged people. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was just an honor to do that. And that's kind of like what like my wheelhouse is, is dealing with people in the in kind of like the political spectrum, the civic engagement spectrum, because the, 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 these folks um, are engaged and believe it or not, and this may be a controversial statement, and I'll kind of pause here, is that we need people who are in politics to understand what Bitcoin is. We have to educate yep. them and who better to do it than um, folks like us. Yeah, for, for sure, John. And actually, that was a great segue in, uh, into a question I had on political outreach. But before we uh, go back to that, I, I believe Marseille has a question for the, for the group. Go ahead, Marseille. Yeah, I have a question. Um, it's, it's, it goes around that as well, because I was going to ask, as like in a place like New York or like in a country like the U.S., people don't really see the need to use or to learn about Bitcoin the same way we do here in the global south. So when it, I, when it comes to that, I, I'm wondering uh, how what has been like the biggest barrier you guys have to jump over in order to make sure that the community keeps growing and that you have people on board it, which brings me to politicians as well. But that's the second question. But yeah, go ahead, Mr. G. Oh, I wanted to just say, so what we just offer is the education for anyone who's willing to accept it. And <laughs> um, I maybe Dan could speak more to that. Or Dr. Orange Pill could speak more to that. But uh, like we said, we're not here to sell anyone anything. And we're here to offer the proper education to the right people. And like uh, John was saying, civically dialed in, focused people. That's a very good um, strategy. And oh, I also wanted to say, yeah. So personally, we've been reaching out to people in the international community. We've invited people to join uh, us in Harlem Bitcoin. And we've actually made advances to reach out to people in the, outside the country. Uh, my family uh, included. <laughs> I have um, all experienced a good deal of Bitcoin education coming from Harlem Bitcoin. Some of them, they use the resources that we leave in the chat uh, in our Telegram groups, and um, they actually use them. And um, so it's 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 an ongoing project, but we see more growth coming from the global south. But you do have a lot of people that come from foreign that live in the United States and they have family and ties to the global South. So if we can maybe impact that community as well, that would be a mega plus. Yeah. Really well said, Mr. G. Daniel. Uh, yeah. So one, one thing I, I can answer to Marseille's question, having lived here for close to quarter of my life, <laughs> but, you know, almost half my life actually at this point, um, is how diverse this neighborhood, this community is. Um, and that's, you know, Harlem as a, as a neighborhood, but also, you know, it's part of Manhattan. It's, it's not another borough for those who don't understand the geography here, but you, you also have 
uh, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, Staten Island. It's it's a it's a massive city with a major international population. There are people who have uh, come here and made it their home from everywhere in the world. Uh, I think Queens is actually the most ethnically diverse um, county in the United States. And Harlem is home to people from all over the place, um, uh, Africa, from South America, Central America, Asia, uh, basically you name it, you're, you're gonna walk down the street and meet people from everywhere. And so a lot of these folks have communities at home that they support. And uh, you know they're here making a living and need ways to send money home that don't take an enormous cut in that transaction. And so they're all used to using uh, Western Union and other uh, you know, money service businesses, uh, but teaching them that Bitcoin is an alternative for them in a way that they can transact with their families uh, and a way that they can earn money and keep it themselves and protect it from debasement and inflation is something that uh, can benefit everyone. So, you know, when we say Bitcoin is for everyone, we really mean it. Um, you know, obviously, New York is also home to the financial class. It's home to lots of very wealthy people who are just, you know, here to to invest their money. But uh, for those who really need to uh, survive and help their families thrive, uh, Bitcoin is here for them. And so we're here to help them understand it. Another fantastic answer, Daniel. Uh, and I think that that really is, I, the, the key is the diversity of New York City and how it has ties to every, just about every place in the world, right? So what happened when, when you orange pill someone whose family is in the global south or anywhere else in the world, you ha you're having a direct impact there. So there is a really meaningful tie there. Um, go ahead, John. Yeah, thanks, Avi. You know, one of the, first of all, uh, I say I appreciate your question for, for many different reasons. Um, one, because it's in, it, it speaks to the importance of understanding that um, that there are other parts of the globe where people are adopting Bitcoin and understanding it at a faster rate because there's a need. And really what we deal with here in the U.S. is that our money basically works OK. It, it, it works for all intents and purposes. The medium exchange that we use, the U.S. dollar, it works. And so we don't have the problem. Um, uh, where in different countries where the money has collapsed, uh, you know, and they have confiscated or asked, uh, taken different notes out of circulation. So, so some of the biggest challenges that I face when I speak to groups is getting them to understand um, why we need it. Why is it so important? Because, the, you know, money basically works for people here and it's OK. Right. But then. So how do I make how do I make this connection? Uh, to help people understand why should they care, like how other people care around the world. Um, well, first of all, it's being in circles where you have people that understand the, the globe better than just here. And in the U.S., we're very uh, kind of you know dialed into what goes on here only. So I, I met at this last conference. I met this woman by the name of uh, Asada Kamara. She's the deputy commissioner and consultant for international affairs at the mayor's office, New York City's uh, uh, mayor's office. And what she said, and I was so blown away by what she said, um, she made a comment at, uh, during her panel. She says, money is freedom for many people. And when she said that, immediately it was a connection. Uh, and I had to talk to her and I got her business card 
But what I do when I speak to groups like this, particularly the civically engaged uh, people, I get them um, or politically engaged people who may not understand money. We all have a relationship with money. And these folks are politically engaged. They deal with money, they have a relationship, but they don't understand how money works. So what I do is I help them understand fractional reserve banking first. Okay. Then I, 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 then I skip, that's my first level. Then I skip into a conversation about understanding how payment rails work, like the legacy payment rails, uh, sending money. I bring them into a conversation about who sends money, quote unquote, back home. I start talking about that. And then I talk to them about um, services like Fed, uh, Fed now, and you know, that's all part of that dialogue. And then I get them to understand and introduce Bitcoin versus a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. And in Marseille, as that conversation begins to evolve, them going from and me explaining to them how fractional reserve banking works, right, and how that money, uh, uh, that, that 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 monetary, uh, the monetary policies used, quantitative uh, uh, quantitative easing, how all that works, and how the money supply expands, getting them to understand that, then moving into uh, the payment rail systems and, and how that works, and then how a CBDC works in in in, in contrast to um, a Bitcoin, there's a connection. I've made it real to them what they currently are using. Um, and then I transition them over. And, and that is how I get people to really make this connection between why Bitcoin may be important to folks here in the US when in fact their medium of exchange works very well. Hopefully that made sense. But I, I agree with you, people in other parts of the world are adopting Bitcoin because they because there, there's so much of a more of a need. And, and that's one of the reasons why you don't see people adopting it here, not only because there's not a quote unquote need, but what they have is working for them. And really, they're basically beginning to understand what money is. Uh, people are just starting to learn what money is right now. Economic and, and money conversations I had in school. And so they're just really trying to get into understanding money now. Now you try to introduce a whole new monetary system. It's a challenge. But, you know, folks at Harlem Bitcoin, we're, we're up to it. And we're decentralized. So we don't limit our conversations to just us. We're not the only speakers. I mean, Dan is, is a great technical guy. I'm, I'm, I'm into you know, the not-for-profit into the banking and all that and understanding the um, Community Reinvestment Act and all the laws and that. And, and, and we each have a, a, a different role to play. But we have people come up and we try to make these connections real to people so that they can uh, begin to understand why should we really be utilizing this here in the U.S. And that is, a, it, it's, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy lift, but um, we're up to the challenge. Marseille, we should have you ask more questions because uh, you've uh, triggered three of the most thoughtful responses I've heard, I might have heard on the show. And I'm sure Dr. Orangeville uh, will provide the fourth. Go ahead, Jesse. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's a really great question, Marseille. Um, it is something that we've been, uh, we've talked about a lot amongst ourselves and we've had a little bit of a challenge with. You know, we have the meetings and of course they're Bitcoin meetings. So uh, we get a lot of Bitcoiners which is really great. Uh, Mr. Without that, we would, we, you know, we, that's how we got Mr. G. And uh, something that happened recently uh, on our last Bitcoin pizza day, you know, uh, w through Noster and through Tallycoin, we raised about a million sats and we bought a bunch of pizzas and we gave them out. So this guy, Faraz, who's also a, a, someone who's been coming to the meetings, you know, sort of approached me. I, I saw him on the street and he's like, hey, you know, what if we just ask people, um, what they thought of money and what what they thought about um inflation and how and if they're able to like just kind of don't even talk about bitcoin but just kind of like get what if we made a video like that and i was like hmm, that's kind of interesting so then we had the bitcoin pizza day come up but and uh 
Dan wanted to raise some money because we and we had done it the year before as a group. Dan's been doing it even longer, and uh, we didn't want to break. We didn't want to stop that streak. So I thought, hey, what if we just kind of put those ideas together? So we raised the money. We got the pizzas. We went out in front of Pizza Stop, and and actually we did make a video. You can check on the uh, Noster feed either through uh, Dan or my feed. We've posted the video a couple times, and we did exactly that. And what you, what I found is that it's sort of like, you know, when you get from the perspective of just people that are you would call just Americans, people who are who are born here and whose family mostly live here. Um, just sort of what John said. The money base, you know, it does it it basically works, but. Especially now, because you know, in New York, things are very expensive. You know, go to the grocery store. Like my wife went to the grocery store today. Let me tell you something. In, in New York City, you don't, you don't, they don't give bags out anymore. You got to pay a nickel per bag, which is fine. Plastic bags, you know. Uh, so you usually bring bags, but if you're just walking around and you go into a store, then you just get enough what you can carry. So I'm, I was walking the dogs. My wife went to the store. She got what a small handful of groceries. I mean, it was, she was holding it in, in her hands and we walked home and I checked and it was $71 when I, when I checked the, my, my bill. And, you know, and last night we went out to dinner and, uh, you know, it was just, you know, we have lunch, a couple of us, me and my wife will have lunch or brunch. And it's like, uh, you know, 50 to $75 for lunch or brunch. And, uh, in that video that we made, there's another guy, he's talking, he said that he moved to Harlem two years ago. He's paying $900 a month and and now he's paying two thousand a month and so people are discovering in a painful way the devaluation of, of our currency we also have something here in new york you know it's a very progressive state we call ourselves progressives but one of the problems with being progressive especially if you're like college educators you sometimes you think you're you're too smart for your, for your own good you know you like you're, you you begin to have an unwillingness to recognize something that that might seem so obvious, you know, so there is a, there, it was a, there's a problem there. So long story short, uh, is that we are part of what our main, one of our primary goals. And that was part of what we did with the Bitcoin pizza day too. It was just a goodwill effort. We're just on the street with a big sign. This is Harlem Bitcoin and we're giving out pizza. And, and it didn't matter if we talked to anybody, the word Bitcoin and, and something happy or positive just in general just someone walking by and seeing like any kind of thing like that is is i think good for for the community and good for what we're doing and and that's really what we're all about so you know in some ways we're we're out there we do our monthly meetings and uh and we have conversations and we put out posters and, and hope people walk in and uh and 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 we do these little events like this and th and this is really what we're all about and, and what we're trying to go to do more of so uh, that's how we're trying to reach those kind of people. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Uh, I just ahead, want to say Marcia. thank you for the answers. The answers were really good. So thank you very much. So I, I see Dan and Mr. G have the hand up. Uh, I do want to wrap up in the next five or 10 minutes. So if you don't mind, guys, I'm going to move to maybe the last question. Or maybe let, let, let's do two questions, uh, which is you al already talked about how you used Nostra this time for pizza day to, um, uh, to to raise money for the pizza, right? And you got the million sats app, which uh, you used to purchase pizza and distribute it. Uh, so first question is, how how are you planning or are you planning to use Nostra more in the outreach that you're doing in the months ahead? And then lastly, uh, what are the unique challenges to Bitcoin adoption in New York City? Uh, even though there is, at least on paper, 
a Bitcoin friendly mayor? So we'll start with the Nostra question first and maybe we'll, uh, go, go ahead, Daniel. So, uh, I mean, most of you know that, and I think I see Derek in the audience, uh, or he was there before. Most of you know that um, I left Twitter by and large back in, in uh, February. I was you know, actually looking for an exit. I had, um, it made my first attempt to exit back in, in uh, November. Um, and I've barely been back since. Um, and though I did maintain, and I still do, you know, as we as a group, we all maintain the Harlem Bitcoin Twitter account because it is a, a great resource to help reach people because we know not everyone is on Nostra. So we're trying to help people come to Nostra to understand the benefits that it offers, the, the camaraderie, the, the freedom, the, the uh, anti-censorship, all those things that Nostra represents that should align really well with, with the Bitcoin ethos. Yet, for some reason, a lot of Bitcoiners and a lot of people in general just haven't found their way over to Nostra yet. Um, it's tricky. You know, I just helped uh, Shakib get on board this morning. and It was not easy. Like, it hasn't gotten that much easier in the past six months. You still have to go through a bunch of steps to get started. So uh, helping people understand Nostra is important. Uh, we do mention it now in the meetups. Um, and of course, Harlem Bitcoin has a Nostra account. Um, that, that we use, we don't just use it to, to simulcast the things we say on Twitter. It also has a different audience and uh, we try to, to, to engage as much as we can uh, with people here. Uh, and so we're hoping that we can um, develop that a bit further and start doing uh, some more uh, content. Um, obviously, you know, we, have, we all have a lot of, of, of talents among this group. There's so many talented people here. We can produce video, we can, uh, we can do fundraising, we can uh, do educational uh, material, all those sort of things that we can use um, our account for, we, we hope to be able to do. And so, um, you know, we've only been here for six months. Uh, you know, I joined uh, Nostra back in the middle of December and it's just been amazing to see how quickly it's grown and all these things that have happened since then. Like it's, it's turned us all into I think much better people, much more communicative people. Um, it's allowed us to kind of discover things about ourselves that, that we didn't know existed. And so it's hard to communicate that to people that, that are just looking in from the outside. Like they think social media is all the same and, and I think they are, are so jaded by it. And a lot of people have, have kind of turned their backs on, on, on the whole medium. So, you know, we're hoping that Nostra can, can help uh, sort of reinvigorate some of that among people that, that we know and, uh, we'd love to be able to bring more people on board um, through Nostra, uh, and, and hopefully, hopefully, we can we can do that and reach people who are still very new to Bitcoin um, or you know just discovering it for the first time. Uh, that happened uh, a few months ago when, when I met uh, Roya. Uh, she had just come on board, and she lives out in, in St. Louis and knew nothing about Bitcoin. And in, in, in a few weeks, she was like on the stage at Nostrica. So it's it's really incredible to see. Uh, what, what can happen here. Also, I, I do want to ask, answer that second question about kind of the, the headwinds and the challenges we face in New York. Uh, New York is a very um, adversarial state towards Bitcoin. It's been that way um, since almost as long as I can remember. Uh, 2014 was the inception of the New York Bit license, which was a set of policies that were put in place um, without a vote it was not done by uh the legislature it was done by someone at the the dfs the department of financial services named ben losky who wrote a bunch of rules that um basically limited how businesses that operate in this space can uh 
can't yeah. even get started. It, it prevents them from even even launching because they have to have meet I, so many compliance requirements. And so people and let's do not forget, that, yeah. Daniel, real quick, Ben Lossky, after uh, wreaking havoc in the regulatory landscape in New York State, then went on to become general counsel at Ripple a few years later. I was about to say that, yeah, and I've I've met, I've, I've posted that a few times. Uh, it's just amazing to see the the self serving nature of people uh, that, are, that are so power hungry. Um, now he's on. He's at the. Uh, he's at. Um, what's the 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 Nidig, I think is where he went after Ripple. So yeah, the, these people are 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 in my my opinion the scum of the earth. But you know what can we do to try to lessen the impact of the bit license? Uh, I we live New York City is right across the the river from Hoboken, New Jersey, which is where Zebedee is based. We can't use that app here, uh, and we can't use Cash App for Lightning. And we can't use most uh, of the Bitcoin exchanges. Um, you know, there are a few here that are licensed, obviously, Gemini. And, and I remember they fought fiercely against the bit license in 2014 and then got a bit license and haven't spoken about it since. So, you know, where their priorities lie. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're hoping we can help people understand that there are other ways to get onboarded into Bitcoin and use it. And that Lightning is up and running and available here, not just because, you know, you can't use it on Cash App and you can't use it on, on Strike and Zebedee. There are still other ways to do it. You can run your own node. You can still use Wallet and Satoshi. You can still zap on Noster, at least until Tim you know, Apple has his way. But we are doing what we can to help, uh, I think, uh, break down some of the misinformation and help people understand that, that Bitcoin is here to stay that it is freedom money and that you can still use it even if you live in a state that um, is as restrictive as new york and so mm -hmm. we hope to be able to educate politicians we actually went uh, a bunch of us went up to albany uh, to fight against the uh, anti-mining bill um, last year and of course we didn't succeed and we knew we wouldn't but we wanted to be there we wanted to have a presence to, to make our voice known that there are people in new york that use bitcoin that strongly support uh the uh, the properties and, and the, the benefits that it offers and that there's um, a lot of misinformation that's been spread around that uh, people are, are just acting on because they think it's the right thing to do. And uh, we're showing that there's another way. Yeah. Maybe we'll take one or two more um, replies on the challenges to Bitcoin adoption and NYC. Mr. G, I saw your hand up. Go ahead. Oh, I just, Dan summed it up pretty good. Um, my only input is to say that we can only change one mind at a time and um, we can work together. We can get a lot more done together as Bitcoiners. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Mr. G. Jesse. Yeah, I just, uh, I mentioned before New York. New York City is extremely progressive. That's the thing. We're, we're the finance capital of the world, but we're also like very, very progressive here, all the people. And to me, Bitcoin is the most progressive technology money. It's certainly the most progressive money. I mean, it's the definition. It's the people's money. It's it's for and by the people. It has the rules set to benefit everybody. And it's I don't it's getting through to the progressive movement. It is is a big it is a big challenge. It does, it's 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 hard to understand. And I used to be, you know, I was like, you know, I, look, I love Bernie Sanders. I voted for Bernie Sanders in every election, uh, you know, and, I, and I've always voted for progressive candidates. We had a primary this week and I voted for the most progressive candidate. But um, but they still don't they're not into Bitcoin. You know, I mean, I don't know. I do, it's it's really 
hard to get people to because it feels like a bro thing it feels like uh it feels like a money finance you know that's the that's the outside sort of interpretation i think the first the sort of knee-jerk reaction and anybody who's progressive hates that shit i mean we it, it, that all that stuff make it disgust you so you have you automatically mm-hmm. you're walking into the pe- to the people that could most benefit but who also have the most in some in a lot of ways at least in america the most um biased against anything that has to do with money or, or the financial system because they just automatically think it has to be rigged and so that's sort of is getting past that just getting past that yeah. first step and, and then i think you know getting past that would be the our big goal it reminds me, Jesse, of that uh, of that they don't know meme, uh, and uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so they don't know that Bitcoin is the real Occupy Wall Street. But um, <laughs> John, why don't you take us home? Yeah, thanks, Avi. The, the one of the biggest challenges I, I, I find, and uh, among all that my other partners here had had raised, which were great were great points, is that um, the biggest challenge I see is that there's there's so much media out there. Um, people are media inundated with false information. And uh, usually these outlets are partisan, heavily partisan towards, first of all, fiat, getting more money, just making more money. That's what they're all about. They don't care what they put out, as long as they put something out first uh, and so they can make more money. Um, it, it, and so that's a problem. People are not getting accurate information. And so... You know, this is this is a major problem, not just with Bitcoin, but which is just with everything. Everyone is out there just consuming so much media, consuming so much. They're not no one's really getting accurate information. And so even in my other work with the organizations that uh, I'm, I'm, I've co-founded, um, I've always said that if we could find because unfortunately, marketing is everything. In, in, in another life, I probably would have been a marketer. That's why I respect Jesse so much and in, in the work that he does in, in his, his medium, uh, because he's out there doing things and touching people, creating stories and creating content. Um, I always said that if we, we can get someone who can, who is, I hate to put it this way, but a, a celebrity influencer, and this may sound ugly to a lot of people, but unfortunately, when if you really want to get a message out, a lot of times you have to, you, you it must become sexy. When it becomes sexy, then people may, you may catch someone that way. And so, although this is not good, I, I say overall for Bitcoin, it is good to get attention. It's good to get shine, to get people to pay attention. And we, and, and we know we're putting out good information to help people. So at this point, policymakers, incumbent legislators, people running for office, um, activists, if you touch those people and educate them, and those people happen to have platforms, not they will might become influencers for people to seek after good information. And once you get one or two of those people, it's, it's going to catch like wildfire. But the, again, just circling back, the, one of the biggest challenges to to getting people to understand a uh, 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 Bitcoin and, and adopt Bitcoin and use it and maybe see it as an alternative. Yeah, it's the bit license. And uh, that, that could be a problematic thing too. Um, although on the other hand, uh, when these exchanges collapsed, uh, folks that were using Gemini and, and none of these, uh, none of those people were, were really touched by that. So there, there's, there's good and, and, and bad to that as well. So, uh, but if we can get more people 
uh, dialed in through some influential people who um, may have large platforms, that is 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 going to really it's really going to start something exciting here in New York City in particular. And we're on the way to that. I'm telling you right now, um, something's happening very. Mm-hmm very big here uh, with Harlem Bitcoin and it's, it's going to, it's catching, believe me, we've gotten tremendous traction in the small amount of time that we've been around and people are paying attention. So I'm very hopeful as long as we keep doing what we're doing. Uh, it's a labor of love here. So yeah, even with this year, I know you got a tremendous audience, Avi, and I appreciate everything that you're doing too. So uh, people are going to listen, people pay attention, particularly when they hear New York city, if you could do it here, you can do it anywhere. Indeed. On that hopeful note, John, uh, I think it's time to wrap up the show. I want to thank John, Daniel, Mr. G, Jesse, a.k.a. Dr. Orange Bill, uh, for joining and telling us the, about the remarkable work you're doing uh, with Harlem Bitcoin, creating the hope um, that's much needed in New York City. also want to thank Condalorian and Marseille for leading us through the lightning round and Marseille for the fantastic question that triggered a great debate. Uh, Thank you, folks, and we will talk to you next week.